episode number two of Packing It Up. Myself, Marcus Wiegert, and the Packers free agency draft guru, Kevin Hurd. Yeah, that's a, that's a self-given title. Um, but yeah, excited to be back for episode two. We got a, a lot to cover here. We never really talked about it in episode one. I mean, we did. Like, we talked about the origin of the podcast, right? But we never really talked about the name. Initially, we talked about packing it in, right? We have, we have multiple maybe people in our lives as Packers fans that if the Packers get down a touchdown, they're just done. You know, turn them off. They're done. So we originally wanted to be pack it in, but we didn't want to be so negative. Who knows? Maybe a name change will be coming soon. But, you know, packing it up, kind of like chatting it up. You know, this whole play on words. So yeah. we're back. After the, uh, after the Seattle debacle, Tampa Bay game, fourth and 26, Arizona games. We don't need any more Debbie Downers around here. No, we don't. So packing it in was, was not the name choice. So packing it up, uh, episode two, we're going to talk about specifically free agency, but a little draft. Free agency obviously is getting kind of wild right now as it's about to turn up and go live. Uh, the cap was just officially set at $182.5 million, as opposed to the previous year of $198.2, which is obviously a drastic change, which had been talked about for um, quite a while. Most of the season, everybody knew it was going to be lower. Nobody knew what it was going to be. And obviously, there's been an impact across the league already with Kansas City cutting both of their star offensive linemen, the tackles that I believe both missed the Super Bowl, and Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. Um, so, you know, when Packers fans that I wouldn't say don't have a clue, but just really don't follow things closely, say, well, why aren't you going and signing these guys? Why aren't you signing Will Fuller, making more of a play, yada, yada, yada? It's like, well, this cap was going to go down, and now it has by, you know, over $16 million. Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, a situation where even the elites are going to be affected, right? I mean, un unfortunately for us in the NFC, you know, these guys uh, at Tampa Bay, they're taking discounted deals to, to stay with the team and kind of run it back. But, yeah, it's an issue that's uh, going to change the league, I think, pretty drastically. You mentioned with Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, both of their starting tackles are cut. You know, those teams that are brushed up against that cap number, it's going to be a real struggle for them. And I think the Packers find themselves in that situation. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, I think they're about $40 million over the cap right now. They've already released some guys. Emmanuel Sanders, who was a popular Packers trade talk, seems like a couple of years ago. Uh, I know they released one of their uh, more expensive linebackers, Quan Alexander, who they traded with the Niners last year to try and make a playoff push. So there's going to be some good players that are out there uh, and there's going to be a lot of, of deals that need to be restructured and you're just going to see that money kind of pushed more towards the future, which I think the Packers are in that situation a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Russ Ball, uh, there's some tweets I saw out there that people were giving Russ Ball a lot of credit, which I agree. When you talk about all these restructures of Preston, Zedarius, Billy Turner, Adrian Amos, like some of those conversations, especially the Preston Smith one, um, probably were not the easiest to have, you know, these guys sign a deal. It's not like most guys are willing to like, Hey, let's talk restructure. Um, so I think, you know, Gutekind's Russ ball, just the entire organization has done a good job the last week specifically to get closer to that, um, you know, being under the cap. Yeah. I'm going to pat myself on the back here because on our first podcast, 
I know you said that you thought Preston Smith was definitely gone. And I said, I think there's a possibility of him coming back. I mean, it's probably the way things have played out. It's probably the most ideal scenario for Preston Smith to be back in a Packer uniform. You know, he had his pretty, he had some successful years in Washington with Joe Barry, who's a D coordinator. And that's who the Packers hired as their defensive coordinator. So I can totally see the logic behind bringing Preston Smith back. And I think it's just going to be a free theme and free agency the restructured deal that he took. It's basically him betting on himself. There's a lot of incentives with sacks, games played, things along those lines, just him being reliable and producing. And I think across the league, you're going to see that. Guys taking a one-year deal to prove that they can still play. And then when the cap goes up, maybe getting more money the following year. But I think your comments are spot on. I think Russ Ball right now is the is the Packers MVP. He seems to do that year in and year out because uh, it's definitely probably the most challenging year that the NFL has seen in a long time, at least financially. Nothing like tooting your own horn there. Congratulations on getting the Preston Smith pick, correct? Hey, I'm sure there's going to be other things that I get wrong. So when I get one right, I'm one for one right now. So I'll take it. Well, that's why I'm the host and you're the guru. So we'll just keep it that way. But uh, in other news, uh, Packers have released uh, Rick Wagner and Christian Kirksey. If you're living under a rock and didn't know that, Kirksey signed with the Texans. And um, some disappointing news on my end yesterday, John Lovett was released. Uh, really enjoyed kind of his impact with uh, DeGuara out and kind of before they really kind of got Dominique Dorsey going. So um Tough to see, but decisions have to be made. And also, Tim Boyle. Right, yeah. So, obviously, with Tim Boyle checking out, that leaves a lot of speculative talk of, well, obviously, Jordan loves the backup, which we know that Aaron Rodgers is still the quarterback for now and for a couple years yet. So, we can just we can just slow our roll a little bit on that chatter. But it'll give Jordan Love an opportunity to play a little bit more in the preseason. And, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. But – yeah, Tim Boyle, I th- they always believed in him. Uh, I think he was a McCarthy guy originally, right? So you might see him turn up somewhere. But backup quarterbacks, obviously a huge position in the NFL. The teams who don't really have one, you're kind of always on pins and needles hoping that your starting quarterback uh, doesn't get dinged. So they obviously feel confident in Jordan Love. So we'll see how it goes. And the Packers chose not to franchise tag Aaron Jones. So it seems as if his days are done in Green Bay. Yeah, I'm sure it's a tough decision. I know that there was plenty of speculation. He hired a new agent during the year to try and maybe get a little bit momentum going to stay. I know, I feel like we all know that he wants to stay in Green Bay, but the reality of the situation is teams that have Super Bowl aspirations and are usually in contention, they don't have uh, highly paid running backs. For franchise tagging him, Uh, I know there was a little discrepancy between, you know, running backs and wide receivers, you know, running the ball, being pass catchers. I know the number kind of fluctuates because of what guys do on the field, but uh, a franchise tag, I believe for a running back this year was, was eight and a half million. So comparatively to somebody like Ezekiel Elliott, who I think is getting maybe 14 or 15 a year could only be 12. I'd probably have to check again, but Eight, eight and a half is not a horrible number, but when you're like the Packers and you're pressed against that cap number, it's a tough decision that probably has to be made. Which leads into the next point. 
So dream case scenario, reality scenario for he, for you with Green Bay, what do you see kind of the next uh, few weeks looking like here as we go live? Yeah, so dream scenario, I think when you're describing a dream scenario, you're not really factoring the cap in at all. But I think for both of us, when we give our dream scenario, uh, I think we're kind of also being realistic. We'll touch on both, obviously. But my dream scenario, uh, the first one, which based on the news that we got today, when I was writing up notes for the pod here, I had to change it after hearing the announcement. But a dream scenario for me, number one, would be Casey Hayward coming back in a Packer uniform. I know we brought up his name last week. Uh, the Chargers just released him. I feel, still think he's playing at a solid level, and, and defensive back is is obviously a hole that the Packers have. So, you know, we're not we're not good enough yet to to throw out contract numbers and and speculate what the Packers could give him. So this is just kind of a a dream scenario for me. It starts with Casey Hayward. Uh, the second one is Corey Lindsley taking a pay cut, kind of what I mentioned the the bet on yourself deal. Uh, also with a being on a team that has Super Bowl aspirations, if that's important to him, you know, him taking a pay cut and the Packers bringing him back, I think would be tremendous. He's obviously really important playing the center position. Uh, they have plenty of talent on the offensive line, but, you know, he's a really important piece. Uh, and then the last one, I think for me, dream scenario, if he can replicate his performance last year is, I know they just released him, but bringing Rick Wagner back on a cheap deal. I think offensive tackles a need for them, uh, which I'll talk about in my realistic scenario after you give your dream scenario. But, you know, Rick Wagner, I think bringing him back on a cheap deal, I think he enjoyed playing for the Packers in his home state and, and he was really productive. I know in the playoffs, he unfortunately had his worst graded performance of the year, but when they signed him, I thought he still had plenty of good football to play. And I, I think he played really well uh, during the year. So, those three would be my dream scenario at this point, but there's also a little reality in there. Yeah. And I think that's anytime you look at this, like the dream scenario, you know, the fantasy football GM kind of thing. I mean, at the end of the day, it's gotta be realistic and obviously green Bay doesn't have a lot of cap space to do things, but yeah, like you mentioned, I think realistically, I think the Rick Wagner thing, you know, could be something that could come to fruition because there isn't really a lot of experience you know, talented offensive tackles out there. And the ones that are, are towards the top of the, the, the tier, which I just think like the Russell Okungs, I don't know if they're going to be able to get guys like that. You know, running back wise, I think it would be nice to add another piece there. You know, everybody's talking about James White because of the Wisconsin connection. But I think they're going to need somebody um, because again, don't see Aaron Jones coming back. Maybe Jamal Williams comes back. Um, but again, when it comes down to numbers, I mean, those guys have both proven obviously Aaron Jones, but even Jamal Williams this last year, like there's some teams out there, I think that are going to be willing to pay those guys. And like you said, I think you've kind of mentioned off air, but maybe some of these guys are going to take a one year deal in hopes that things will flip with the cap next year. Obviously it's going to be better um, than what this year will be. So again, maybe taking a, a, a good deal for them right now will be a better deal a year from now. Um, and then cornerback, I think obviously you touched on that. Um, everybody's talking Richard Sherman, my question is, what does Richard Sherman still have left in the tank? I mean, this isn't four or five years ago. Uh, I think a guy more like Patrick Peterson is probably more of a dream scenario, but somebody who's a veteran who's still got some juice, um, you know, injuries. Obviously, everybody's got some type of injury pass, but I think it'll be key to add somebody with experience, even though I want them to draft somebody. 
uh, earlier. It's, I think, for them to have success just moving right away, it's, it's tough to bring a rookie cornerback in and just have a ton of success, unless you're Jair Alexander. Right. So your, your dream scenario, just to quickly summarize, was just to recap. Just to recap, it's basically, I mean, the reality. I mean, I think, again, Patrick Peterson, I think, again, I agree with you, bringing back a guy like Rick Wagner um, and then a running back, you know, some type of third down situational back, whether it's like James White um, or even, you know, a few of the other guys that are out there. But James White kind of fits that mold just because he's traditionally that specialized, uh, you know, pass catcher and obviously a veteran as well. So. So we both kind of told the line there between between dream scenario and, and reality. Let's let's go to the realistic scenarios. What do you think is most likely going to happen? Most likely, I think they'll sign a cornerback um, that's, you know, a little bit older, um, but a little bit cheaper as well. Uh, as I pull up my list here, um, again, there's guys like Malcolm Butler. Um, there's guys like uh, Jason Barrett, uh, Janarius Jenkins. But even those guys, again, it, I think it all depends on what some of these teams that actually have the money um, are going to do. Because, again, like, in some ways, I'm like, you know, it, it, it kind of could go both ways. I mean, Green Bay not having a ton of cap space could help them. Because, again, we're talking about how this cap could change in a year. So maybe someone's like, hey, I want to go ring, win a ring. I'm going to sacrifice some money this year. And knowing that I'll be able to get more next year. Um, you know, I think Rick Wagner is – a great possibility of coming back and being like, Hey, we're not going to pay what we did last year. Um, so I, I do think I agree hundred percent with you on that one that I think he's a guy who could come in and, and be that as well. And then, you know, other positions, I mean, running back James white. Um, I even think possibly even a receiver as well. Um, you know, a guy like Emmanuel Sanders, who again, doesn't have the explosiveness. He had some plays last year for new Orleans um, you know, even AJ Green, some of these guys that are a little bit older, I think having another veteran in the room that would be willing to come in and be the third or fourth guy behind Adams, Lazard, Velda Scantling, who knows what Funchess is going to do. Um, even if they can get a vet that way, I don't think that's a bad thing either. Got it. So for my realistic scenario, uh, we're kind of along the same page, but I'm going to give different names. Uh, I know it might be a little bit of a gut punch to Packers fans, but I think there's a realistic chance that they bring back Kevin King. I mean, I know we all know what happened in the NFC championship game, but who knows what team out there is willing to give him money that he thinks is good enough to take him out of green Bay. Uh, obviously it's a good situation. You're on a, a winning football team with a lot of talent who I think, think hope that their defense takes another step with a new defensive coordinator, you know, especially if they play, kind of press man coverage on the outside, maybe that fits kind of more of his skill set. So he could have, you know, a bounce back year. I mean, you and I both agree that when he's on the field and healthy, I think they're a better defense. Unfortunately, he made a terrible mistake in the NFC championship game. Could have been play call. You know, we are, we don't need to rehash that, but I think bringing him back on an extremely team friendly contract is something that's fairly realistic. Uh, secondly, I think they're going to draft an offensive tackle uh, in the NFL draft pretty highly. It would be a classic Packers move to take someone that's not super exciting to the fan base. Uh, I know that the NFL draft offensive tackle is a pretty solid position of strength in this draft. And I think they need to start looking ahead, especially 
even if they bring Rick Wagner back, I, I mean, I know they drafted three tackles last year, um, all in the same round. I believe that was the fifth round. And so they obviously think that there is some talent there. I know uh, the offensive tackle from Indiana, Stepaniak, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yep. Uh, he tore his ACL and was out the whole year. So who knows how he'll be. But I do think they're going to spend a, a draft pick on a premium uh, offensive lineman. And I just specifically put offensive tackle uh, in the draft. And then defensively, I think they're going to play a lot of two linebacker sets. And they're going to have uh, more defensive backs on the field with the loss of Kirksey, who played well last year, graded out pretty well. Um, considering his past couple of years, um, you're going to have uh, Barnes and Martin in the middle, and that's going to be pretty consistent. And if those guys can stay healthy, I think they're a pretty good combo. But the league is just shifting to play more defensive backs. And the only problem with that is defensive back is kind of a hole right now for the Packers. So I think they're going to put more resources into it again, just like they have in years past. Uh, and then the last one I think realistically is that Corey Lindsley and Aaron Jones are gone. I think that if the Packers really wanted to get a deal done, they would have done it during the year. Uh, same thing with Corey Lindsley, but nobody really knows what's going to go on in the market. Just to add to your comment about cap space, maybe helping the Packers and guys taking cheaper deals, I definitely agree with that. But also the teams out there that have cap space, you know, our guys looking for maybe a little bit long-term security because in football, unfortunately, you just never know what's going to happen, right? One play could, could unfortunately do a lot of things to your career. Uh, so you just don't know, but if the cap resets uh, after this year, then it'll all turn out great. But until then, nobody really knows. And I can't speak for these guys and know where their heads are at. That's why I think the uh, next few weeks here are going to be, I mean, obviously the NFL is always, you know, got the sports world by its hands, but I think this year even more so because, yeah, there's just the unknown of what this all looks like with the lack of flexibility of some of these teams. And then, I mean, you look at teams like Jacksonville and it's like, man, they, they can do a lot of things. So, which is why NFL is king. And just another note with the salary cap, and I'm, I'm no expert, but the cap space that the Packers, you know, could have the next year, let's say the cap salary cap goes up to its normal level. Well, all of that cap space could be gone because we've restructured uh, players' deals this year and you're just pushing future money uh, into future years. So I guess as a Packers fan, if you think, well, next year will be great, we'll have more cap space because the, the number goes back up. Well, we just pushed a lot of that money out into the future. So I think Packers fans could be surprised by that. Also for teams that don't spend money or have a lot of money. For example, you just brought up the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think, I believe they have $75 million uh, in cap space. In the NFL, you can roll over cap dollars. I believe it's a certain amount. I don't know that much about it, but I know that you can roll over uh, cap space. So conversely, next year, if they don't spend a lot, uh, on free agents because people won't take their money the next year if the salary cap number goes up they could find themselves with way more cap than they ever expected so it's just a different time it's a different scenario i don't think any nfl team was prepared for it so you're seeing a lot of a lot of shuffling a lot of restructuring and 
some good players are going to get let go. But the teams that I think can convince those guys to join their football team will be a really advantageous spot. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too, because I believe it's Wednesday teams have to be under the cap. So I mean, we still have three-plus days here of movement that could still happen. Um, draft scenario-wise, we can make this quick because we'll spend a lot of time in the next one talking the draft. But your first three rounds, what are your picks for second and third round for Green Bay? Um, wow. First, second, and third, you know, like I mentioned, I think they're going to take an offensive lineman. Uh, if I – had to pick what round that would be, I would probably say in the second round uh, based on where I think some of these offensive tackles are going to go. Uh, the first round, you know, I mentioned it last week on the pod, death taxes and Packers spending high draft capital on defensive backs. So I definitely could see them taking a defensive back in the first round. Uh, in the third round, I think that's where you're going to get your offensive guy. And I, I think what, where the Packers and who the Packers select is going to show a lot of their strategy for agency wise. I think if you see the Packers take another running back in that Aaron Jones range, third, fourth round, I think that kind of is the writing on the wall for them. So I think you're going to see an offensive guy probably in the third round. I think in order to give Joe Barry success as a defensive coordinator, I think you're going to see them invest resources on a defensive player early. I think cornerback first round for sure, just because there's a ton of depth there late. But then second and third round, I think it's kind of up for grabs. I think you can see anywhere between an offensive tackle, a defensive tackle, a linebacker, and or a running back or receiver. So I think second round will probably be a defensive tackle or a linebacker. And then third round will be some type of offensive guy, whether it's offensive tackle, whether it's a, um, I think there's a guy by the name of Demetric Felton from UCLA, who's kind of the Antonio Gibson gadget type guy this year. Um, who may be a possibility as well. But we'll talk more about that. I just want to kind of get your thoughts here. Um, and then obviously kind of the elephant in the room with uh, NFL free agency is all this quarterback moves this year. Obviously we saw, you know, Wentz on the move already. Um, Dak signed a big deal. What are your kind of thoughts with all these other guys that are out there that are kind of the rumors with Darnold, Tua, Jimmy G, uh, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. What, what are your thoughts? Well, you can't talk NFL draft without talking quarterbacks, right? Whether it's quarterbacks being traded or teams trading picks to get a quarterback or teams that already have a quarterback trading down in the draft to get more draft capital, right? It, it really begins and ends always with the quarterback. So, I mean, this, this offseason has been crazy because you have had – really stars at their positions trying to force their way out, right? It's kind of similar to a, you know, James Harden, Houston Rockets, you know, scenario for all you NBA fans. It's kind of a little bit of a mini off-season era of player empowerment, right? All these guys kind of passively, aggressively, or in Deshaun Watson's case, aggressively say that they don't want to play for the franchise anymore. So I think the NFL draft is going to be shaped on those moves, um, you know, we talked about you and I before we got on the pod here. It's just, it's kind of QB dominoes, right? It's going to be the domino effect of where a couple guys go and that'll influence what a lot of teams do. So, you know, just start with the biggest name, um, you know, Deshaun Watson. Personally, I think he's going to go to the Carolina Panthers. I think they're, they have a decent amount of draft capital. I think they're going to work to get their difference maker. You know, you saw their guys, Christian McCaffrey, he took a pay cut. 
Um, I believe they had another good defensive player take a pay cut. So, you know, they could be making a move to get him. But for the Texans, I don't think they're going to trade him uh, to a team in the AFC. I think, you know, they're, they're smart enough, <laughs> depending on your opinion of them recently, I think they're smart enough to not trade probably the best player uh, in their franchise history besides J.J. Watt to a team that's in the same conference. So for Deshaun Watson, I think he's going to go to the Panthers. I think he's going to stay. So I think it's going to actually end up being an absolute cluster. But, you know, Cully, the head coach, came out the other day and said no, he's, you know, he's happy, he's content or whatever. And it just seems like – and I feel bad for that guy, but he accepted the job. So um, I think they're going to try to roll with him and it's going to be mass chaos and just an absolute disaster from what they've even experienced this past year. Um, but obviously, again, there's always that notion, like you were mentioning with Carolina with draft capital, if somebody comes and throws the kitchen sink at you, Herschel Walker-wise, you know, does that, uh, does that kind of change the game? Uh, I just think we're entering an interesting time here where we've had big-name players traded in the past few years, DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham, guys of that nature. Um, but we, we haven't had quarterbacks like that, and as many of that could happen, you know, whether it's a Russell Wilson to Chicago whether that happens or not, who knows. But all these talks of these premier guys in the league moving just creates that much more excitement for free agency and obviously the draft. Yeah, so it's a, it's a Packers pod. So as quickly as we can on each of these guys, let's, let's give a, um, you know, a minor effect that these moves would have on the Packers. Obviously, Deshaun Watson going to Carolina would just be another elite quarterback in the NFC. And depending on the year – you know, the Packers will play the NFC South. So that's just another tough matchup to go against. Yeah, I agree. I think Russell Wilson, obviously, if he goes in division, obviously it makes things tough. But again, the Bears are the Bears. Um, just because he's there, he does make them better. But also what pieces are around them? What are they running? What do they give up to get him? Because it's not just going to be picks. Um, I think there'd be some, some quite uh, interesting players, some higher level uh, impact players heading to Seattle as well. Right. So, that, I mean, he's the next guy on the list. So do you think Russell Wilson's going to go to the Bears? I think so. I think they'll, I think they're at that point where they're just going to do whatever they have to. And uh, we'll see. It'll be interesting. I, I want to see it just as a Packers fan, just to, to kind of spice things up a little more. I think Russell Wilson's going to go to the Jets. Uh, I think that if Seattle is really going to hit kind of the reset button, um, this would be a move that they would make. However, I think Sam Darnold would have to be in that deal. So if you're Seattle, that's really not too much of a reset. You know, you get a young quarterback who people believe has talent. He's never had a supporting cast like he would uh, in Seattle, who has, you know, talented running backs and, and DK Metcalf. So I think they could surround him with some talent and, and get some really good production out of him. But, you know, Seattle just traded for Jamal Adams. So there's a little bit of a relationship there. You know, GMs, I mean, you'll see it a lot, especially on draft day. GMs have a history with other GMs. They usually swap picks and make those trades. So I know the Packers and Seahawks have traded. There's a lot of Packers, former Packers brass uh, in the Seattle front office. So they make those deals. So I think Russell Wilson would go to the Jets. I think it's another scenario. The Seahawks would not want to trade him in the NFC. And, you know, as far as effect on the Packers, uh, this year, for 2021, the Packers play the AFC North, but I think the following year they would play the AFC East. So they'd be lining up against Wilson in a Jet uniform, but we'll see. Uh, next on the list, and these kind of 
Um, these are probably, you know, minor impacts, but you just never know. Uh, kind of the Rodgers draft counterpart, Alex Smith. Where do you think Alex Smith can end up? I think Alex Smith will sign with the Jets. I do. I just think, I don't know. I just think he's kind of a, a stable fit for the short term um, until they get, you know, whoever is going to be drafted by them kind of up and running. So I think he's just kind of a stable guy, even if he's, again, um, you know, how much is left in the tank? He, he proved that he could do a little bit in Washington, uh, not very mobile due to obviously his injury, but I just think having him around a younger guy is going to help. And I think they have a coaching staff that's got a clue now too. I think Alex Smith is going to the Chicago Bears. You mentioned Russell Wilson to the Bears. Uh, I think Alex Smith is going to go to the Bears. Familiarity with their coaching staff. I think the Bears are going to try and make a push for Russell Wilson. I think those guys jobs depend on it the head coach and the gm um but like i said i don't think seattle's going to trade him to a to a the same conference in the nfc so i think alex smith is going to go to the bears and i think it gives them probably one of their better quarterbacks they've had in a long time um next on my list i had i had sam darnold so i, I already mentioned kind of mine i think darnold if uh russell wilson would get traded to the jets i think the Jets would have to send Darnold to the Seahawks. So right now I'm saying Seahawks. I think he's going to San Francisco. So I think going back to the West Coast, again, I think the guy actually has a ton of talent. Uh, just is an unfortunate situation uh, the last few years. And I think getting him into a system with like Kyle Shanahan, I think he could, I'm not saying going to be a, a top tier NFL quarterback, but he's definitely a guy who can start some games, manage the offense and, and put your team in, in conference championships down the road. Yeah, and I talked before we kind of started this QB domino segment, I talked about teams, you know, that are in the top 10 of a draft that maybe have a quarterback, you know, usually they're in an advantageous situation to trade down and acquire more picks. And I think San Francisco is kind of a sleeping giant there uh, in the top 10. You know, they had, unfortunately, their really talented defensive linemen get hurt and be done for the year. And so kind of right away, they were kind of out of it, but they're going to get those guys back next year and they're sitting you know, in the top 10 uh, with a top 10 pick. And if they think Jimmy G's their guy, then they feel like they have a quarterback. They can move around and, and kind of control maybe the first and second rounds if they acquire some picks. So, but yeah, Darnold going to the Niners, I think he'd be an upgrade over Jimmy G. So, you know, that scenario, I think it'd be pretty tough on the Packers considering I don't think the 49ers are that far away. So um, I said Alex Smith to the Bears. That means uh Mitchell Trubisky I mean the news just came out that the Bears are going to move on from him what do you think I mean it's time I think you know we on that list we had uh, Jameis Winston we had Jimmy G we had Trubisky I think you can clump all those guys together I don't think any of those guys are starters in my mind um, I think Jimmy G's kind of a backup moving forward Jameis already proves he's a backup and Trubisky uh, again it's unfortunate I think the guy has some ability. He just wasn't a top pick. Like he, you know, was chosen by Chicago, obviously the Watson and Mahomes and all that talk. We could rehash a whole pot on that, but uh, yeah, I think it's time for Chicago. And that's where I think that leads into the whole Russell Wilson factor of like, you know, at what point is Chicago going to pony up for an experienced veteran quarterback that can get it done. So just my thoughts there. Yeah, Trubisky's not a huge name, right? And for us Packer fans, we, we don't believe he's a very good quarterback. He's a very good quarterback playing against the Packers, right? That's the guy you want to see. But 
I just wanted to, I put them on the list because I just wanted to briefly touch on the topic of instant gratification of quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, teams draft these guys so highly and they just throw them out there, probably the hardest position to play in all of sports. And they just expect instant results. But we got to remember, you know, Aaron Rodgers sat for how many years? You know, Patrick Mahomes sat for a year. Uh, there are cases of guys coming out and just lighting it up right away. But even Justin Herbert this year, who was the, you know, NFL rookie of the year, I believe, you know, he had to sit those first four or five games behind Tyrod Taylor before, you know, he took the starting job over. So with Trubisky, there's, you know, talent, right? The guy can throw and, and he's a pretty good athlete. He can run, but, you know, the Bears just kind of threw him out there. And you know, I think he could kind of be a Ryan Tannehill situation. You know, Ryan Tannehill, they started roughly the same amount of games in college, I think 12 or 13 games. And Tannehill was actually a receiver before he played quarterback. Um, but then Tannehill kind of got thrown out right away with the Dolphins and didn't have any success. And then he, you know, bounced around as a good solid backup. And then, you know, the Titans just gave him a whole bunch of money because he started producing. But it might, it might take a guy a few years. So that's just a situation to monitor. I know as a Packers fan, we're not we're not going to pause our day to talk about Mr. Trubisky too often, but I think in the right situation, if he learns for a couple of years, you just never know. There's been a lot of instances where guys have sat and learned and then come out to be respectable, even solid NFL quarterbacks. So we'll see. We'll see. AKA maybe Jordan Love. Who knows? That That's a totally separate pod. I mean, hopefully that's a pod that happens in two years. We'll see. The one guy we didn't talk about was Tua. Right. So with that, in my prediction, you know, I have Deshaun Watson going uh, to the Panthers. So everybody talked about the Dolphins, you know, trading Tua to the Texans with some draft picks for Deshaun Watson, which I think the Dolphins overall have the best package. Don't get me wrong, but I just think the Texans aren't going to trade them in the same conference. Uh, the Texans and Dolphins just did a deal today, actually. They swapped linebackers and swapped picks. So Everybody thought there was a big deal brewing, and then, you know, it was just linebacker for linebacker. But uh, with Tua, yeah, I just – it goes back to my instant gratification comment. I think people thought he was just going to come in and light it up. And uh, personally, I think Coach Flores, Brian Flores down there in Miami, did the right thing. They sat him, and then uh, – I don't know if Fitzpatrick got hurt or if they just made the announcement that Tua was going to play. I think they just made an announcement that he was going to start, and then he didn't produce. So. You know, they, they bench them for a couple games here and there. So, I mean, quarterback's just a really hard position to play, and how you handle that situation uh, has a lot of effect on a player. Um, but for two, I think, um, gosh, I think he's just going to stay in Miami. I, I think he's going to stay in Miami, um, and they're going to make a decision pretty early about whether they're going to roll with him or not. Yeah, I agree. I think he stays in Miami. I think if they decide to use some of their draft capital and get in a position to draft somebody new, I think then at that point he might be a draft day kind of trade. I don't know exactly where. But, yeah, I mean, last year Flores, I mean, I think the reason that they started him was Fitzpatrick was I think they just came off another win. But they needed to see Tua play to kind of evaluate if they actually had something. And then there were a couple of games early on where he had success, but then he struggled and then they went and benched him, which – at first I didn't understand the thought process of them actually playing him over Fitzpatrick. But then the more I understood it long-term, you're like, Hey, we need to know if this guy can play. Well, if you're going to make that decision, then you better ride with them because then you go and bench him. And now like, now it's just an absolute mess. So uh, 
yeah, it's the, I think that's one of the biggest question marks in the NFL this year is, is he going to be a dolphin next year or not? But this is a Packer pod and we're here to support the green and gold. So yeah, the next pod, we'll talk about uh, the draft a little bit more in depth. Um, I guess we could have an emergency free agency pod. If there's something crazy, uh, we could load one up, but we don't expect anything outside of uh, maybe some vets signing for some lower money uh, to kind of happen here in the next few weeks. Yeah, I think the Packers are one of the more interesting teams in the NFL. I really do. Not just because I'm biased because I've been a Packer fan my whole life, but they're obviously a team who is a Super Bowl contender, and they're close enough to the cap where the decisions that they're going to have to make are probably going to be really tough ones. And I, I think this time next year, depending on how the season goes, we'll rehash all these decisions that they've made. You know, we do that every year. But specifically in this year with, you know, the Packers have never really been in this situation before, uh, kind of over the cap and, and kind of in this, you know, do or die type scenario, which I feel like a lot of fans kind of put on them. Uh, we'll never really know, right, because we're, we're not in those rooms having those conversations and on those phone calls. But I do think they're one of the more interesting teams in the NFL because of where they sit in the league and the aspirations that they have. Uh, they have to be extremely smart in how they deal out their dollars. And also those draft picks, I think they're going to try and, I mean, you try to do it every year, but get some guys that are going to contribute right away to a position of need. I felt like in the past, the Packers haven't really maybe chosen to a position of need at times. They've always kind of gone with the best player on the board, which I think in a lot of ways is very smart. But I think this year, with uh, the cap number the way it is and the guys they have to get rid of, you might see him drafting a little bit more for need. We'll see. I'm excited for that pod. NFL draft time. It's the best time of year. Absolutely. Yes, we'll be back in April with that pod. Again, unless something drastic changes here over the next few weeks. For now, packing it up is officially finished with Marcus Weger and Kevin Hurd. Episode two went great. Looking forward to the to the draft pod. Who knows? Everybody just take an afternoon off. That might be a three-hour pod. We'll see. We'll just start it and that set a time limit and see where it goes. Looking forward to it.